Hi everyone, so we're back with our podcast and today we have the huge honor of having a very good friend of mine and uh, I would just like to welcome, welcome you, Ty, to this uh, new podcast that we're doing. Welcome, welcome here. Thank you, Ole Martin. It's quite a pleasure and uh, an honor to be with you in this moment in time. We're, we're happy to have you part of it and for those of you that are new to our podcast, uh, essentially, what we wanted to do is just highlight a little bit about what's happening in the world of sports now, especially talking about like the different things uh, with the coronavirus impacting the sport industry. And today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, sports that maybe some of you are familiar with, some of you maybe not, but we're going to talk about the interesting sport of beach soccer, what is happening there, how the coronavirus is being impacting. So essentially, the topic will, will be the world of beach soccer, events, athletes, and Corona. Very interesting topic. But let me, let me just like take like a personal story about our guest here, because Ty was actually the, the first person that gave me the first opportunity when I came to the U.S., which I'm extremely glad for. I remember I was being volunteering at one of your beach soccer events. I'm not sure. It was at Stinson Beach. Stinson Beach. Very funny experience. Do you remember that? Good times, good times. <laughs> Unspeakable times, yes. <laughs> I remember you were like pushing me all around and I was like running my ass off to do all the fun stuff. But I made it true and, you know, here we are knowing each other after a lot of couple of good years and I've been, you know, helping you out with Pro-Am, of course. Uh, but why don't you speak a little bit about your background? So I think everyone gets a little bit of more sense of like who you are, what you do, and so it makes sense to what we're going to talk about. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I started as a, a soccer coach, um, a soccer player. I grew up, I was sort of in that generation of U.S. players that were of the first to start playing when they're, you know, five, six years old during right. the big push when we were trying to get the World Cup that uh, Mexico uh, grabbed from us for 86. Yeah. And it was uh, during that time that um, the amount of soccer players has grown and had basically that foundation created of what we have today, um, with right. it being the most participated sport. Um, from there, at a very young age, at 18, um, just barely out of high school, I started coaching. Um, right. I ended up being one of the first paid coaches in my area to, to actually be able to start earning a living doing so. Yeah. Um, whereas I started at 18, I started getting paid when I was about um, 21. Right. Um, and from there, I've now had over 30 years of coaching experience. Um, in 2005, I was introduced to beach soccer. Right. Um, thought of it as a, an interesting uh, venture, yeah. um, something fun to do. And uh, we, ironically enough, we started our event the very same weekend that FIFA took over and started their uh, World Cup, their official FIFA World Cup. So yeah. we literally started on the same same week. Um, <laughs> and we've seen both organizations obviously grow over time. Uh, right. They have a little bit more funding than we do. So uh, just, just a tiny bit. Just, just a, a bit. bit. <laughs> just, 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 a wee, just a wee bit. But um, you know, I've, I've been involved in coaching from the Olympic development level, state level for California. Um, I've been involved in uh, IDing at the regional level. 
um, former U.S. national team assistant coach for beach right. soccer from 2006 until I, end of 2009. Right. Um, participated in, in one, two CONCACAF championships and took third in another. Um, went to a couple World Cups in Brazil and been exposed to the game, you know, ever since at the highest level. Um, created our own club here in Northern California for both men and women. Our women are um, in the last look our women are now ranked ninth in the world and our men are our men are one of the uh the best in the u.s and we've got um i think at least three players from each team that are now playing for our u.s national team and that was sort of the goal um of forming this you know having done events here for now 15 years on the west coast and having expanded the events to um florida and New Jersey, Chicago, uh, Wisconsin, um, also Southern California, and as well as international events in Bali and Singapore, and right. working on an event presently in Barbados, which uh, was supposed to take place this September, but because of everything that is going on, right, you know, we have to be responsible and think about what's going to be right, you know, for, for sure. the long term. Sure. But that that gives you. And then I also run a men's soccer club. I've been running that for over twenty years here, and. As coach, uh, you know we were uh, the 2018 uh, state champions for adult soccer in California. So, right. got a lot of soccer background, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot <laughs> in education. I took kids to Real Madrid for 10 years every every summer. So, um, saw the the best at at their best at the time of their best during the Galacticos, and I yeah. uh, was actually even able to interview some of their players and such at the time, like. Uh, Morientes. I actually got the pleasure of meeting Zidane at one moment. So um, a lot of experiences have been granted to me with the sport and now many of them are just involved in beach because it's I found that it's such a great resource which I'm sure we'll get into at some point or another. Absolutely. So I mean like you're essentially the perfect guy to speak about this topic right? <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm the perfect person but <laughs> I think I know a few things. Yeah, you I do believe. for sure. So I mean, like, I, I think um, I mean, like, a lot of the our our viewers and listeners and people are on our obviously you know passionate about sports, but I don't think everyone is like you know so delved into like beach soccer. So why don't you just like give us a little bit baseline about what like what is beach soccer? What makes it unique? Uh, you know, what was it, what was it about beach soccer as well that like you know, intrigue you to be part of it in, in terms of like just not soccer itself. Yeah, of course. You know, like I said in the beginning, this was just about something that was supposed to be fun. Right. But um, over time, and it was probably about, it was almost a decade into it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden I had this epiphany that the teams that I was putting in the sand were getting the best results when they were on the grass. Right. And then I thought, and then I thought back, like even more so before I even got into beach soccer and was coaching, I had certain teams that lo and behold, they were underachievers. And then we got in the sand and somehow they became very overachievers. Right. Um, huh. But I didn't, I didn't add all that up in the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah. But the, re the, the truth of it being is beach soccer. I was initially into it mostly because it was a, a situation where teams and clubs would come and you could right. see the the team bonding, the camaraderie that they were getting out of it because it was something different than the, the, 
<laughs> I, I would say the monthly, but really now it's almost the daily uh, beatdown of grass soccer. You know, right. Whereas I am a, a grass coach and have been forever, yeah. um, players get burnt out and yeah. beach is something different. But now it's changed quite a bit. Um, my outlook on it has gone to the point where I see this as a developmental tool. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a scenario whether you're talking about Real Madrid, which built their own beach full size beach soccer field and football right. league court when they created Valdebedos. Uh, you know, right. once they sold their property downtown Madrid and they built it out near the Barajas Airport. Right. You know, granted they had Roberto Carlos and and Ronaldo and other Brazilians on the team at the time, but yeah. they instituted sand right next to the main pitch right. and lo and behold they had pretty huge success yeah. Bayern Munich has moved um, at, at some time recently moved away from the gyms and the weight rooms to concentrate because on the sand because of the overall body development rather right. than the isolation with muscles but from the standpoint of skills the things that you do in the sand and the type of um, things that you concentrate on are are 100 percent transferable over the grass right and in addition to that um, they're the things that make players flashy. I mean, if you look at any great Brazilian player, whether it's Pele or De De David Alves or, you know, um, even um, the, the, pretty much anyone you go through yeah, yeah, yeah. has a huge sand background. Ronaldinho, mm -hmm. Ronaldinho is a perfect example. And, the guy's a legend. <laughs> His yeah, technique is crazy. <laughs> and and Danny and Danny Alves has been quite um, prolific in proclaiming that all the skills that he has come from his time in the sand. Right. So, um, and there's dozens of photos of him and Neymar playing foot volley, you know, foot right. volley, right. and it, it's just clear. Um, the problem is, is that you have so many coaches and um, directors in general in the in in the United States, and specifically that say that um, playing in the sand doesn't do anything to improve your grass game, um, it increases the amount of injuries, it, right. um, you know, just a bunch of false narratives. And right. um, it, it's got to get to a point where, like with futsal, um, which is now everybody's favorite flavor of right. the month, um, that they have to realize that there's an actual huge benefit. And in some ways, many people think that beach has got the most. There's one coach, um, who uh, grew up playing with Marco Echeverri at the at the Bolivian uh, Tawichi Academy that I met, right. and he basically explained to me that um, of all the types of football that you can play, beach soccer is the most tactical and the most technical. Yeah. And if you've watched any highlights of beach soccer, it's pretty easy to understand why that's the case. So hundred percent. It's it demands a lot of technique, uh, for sure. I remember like as well, you you know me like, you know, I've been playing football uh, most of my life, soccer for the Americans listeners, of course. Uh, but it was something different. I remember like of course I was working the events, but you you gave me the opportunity to play uh during one of the co ed games and it, it was hard, you know, when you're not used to it, then it demanded a, a different level of, of technique and, and control. But I, I think like, you know, to, like at, at the big picture here, nonetheless, like whether you're, you know, a beach soccer player or, or a grassroots player or um, grass, grass field player, I, I think like being able to, you know, train in different environments and learn the different skill set and attributes from those uh, fields, whether that's inside like futsal or, or beach soccer or 
or normal life, you will gain benefit from it. And for sure, you know, beach hacker demands that extra, you know, because again, you're, you're playing on sand, you know, it's, it, it's hard. It's not easy, but you, you actually have like some good tips on like, how are you going to run on sand? Because that is not easy. When, when I, I remember I started and I got so tired in my legs and you're like, how to avoid that? What do you do if some someone out there actually want to try beach hugger? I know now it's maybe not the best time, but well, if you want to do it, you know, like where do you? How do you start? <laughs> you run like you're you run like you're in high heels. I mean, any woman understands this, but um, you know, for <laughs> a guy, for the boys, what about yeah? Those? I mean, yeah, I mean, the the reality is, is whether you're walking in sand or whether you're running in sand, right. um, toes in first because I mean, think again we'll just do it quickly if you if you're stepping in sand with your heel like we all do it right. sinks and then you have to press through your arch right but if you're running in and you're diving in here you're compressing the sand underneath your foot so you actually have kind of like a starting block to push off right right i mean kind of like the sprinters right when they're doing like the starting that's block. that's exactly how i yeah you know, put it good good memory you have there you know it it, it is a <laughs> it, it is a scenario where um people really have to get past the idea that it's so difficult because um, your body adjusts. It's like, right. I, I, I compare it to snowboarding or, you know, um, anything where you, reali you realize that have, you have these muscles that you never knew you had. But 100%. once, once, you know, the first two days of snowboarding are insanely painful, but once you, once you do it, and get past it it doesn't matter if it's six months later or a year later your right. body never hurts the same again and right. it's the same with beat soccer the more you the more times you do it and especially if you can continue to do it like for you know on a kind of a continuous basis for a short period of time right. all the pain all the pain goes away i could i could literally go out to, today well granted i can't really do that unless i was on my own but mm, you, know, sure. you could go out i could go out today and i could get away with playing for an hour hour and a half and yeah. it would not it would not affect me too much. Right. And I'm 47 years old. And, you know, <laughs> although I'm not as fast as I used to be, I can still, you know, run around on the pitch pretty well. For sure. And I, and I think like that's, it's just an adjustable thing, right? You know, we're like, but that's also with indoors, like obviously like it's, it's kind of like, think about like the difference between running on like, you know, asphalt or running or like in the woods, right? Like running in the woods would be like, you know, unbalanced, like you have to adapt and you will use other muscles. So I'm mean, like, it's an adjustable thing, but I remember as well, like it was, uh, you know, the first game was really hard. I was like sliding everywhere and I got so tired and then he gave me some pointers and suddenly like you adapt because you know how to play, play soccer. So like, that's not the issue, but then you just got to adapt to the environment, which I think is a great learning experience. And I think also demands a different level uh, of your skill set, both technical and, and physical as well, you know, being in that, in that game. But for sure. Um, going back to like, we actually have a fun fact though about beach soccer in general. And you have to like point me out if this is actually correct. Uh, I found it online and I mean, like, I think it's a valid source. But for those of you that don't know, there's a lot of goals being scored in the beach soccer game. So what I found is that with an average scoring rate of one goal every three minutes, around 11 goals are scored in total per game. So that's a lot of goals. It's, does that seems about right for you? Yeah, there's a shot about um, on average every 30 seconds. Wow. So yeah, I mean it, it's it's perfect. I mean, granted, this is an international audience, but for the uh, for the problematic Americans who have a short-term memory span, um, you know, it's the perfect sport. 
You know, it's three 12-minute yeah. periods. It's high-flying action. There's bike kicks. There's, you know, um, just constant action. Right. So um, it's built perfectly for the one-hour time slot that we have for TV as well. For you know, but you know, it it, it it's catching on. Um, people that see it, like on ESPN Ocho, let's say, right. <laughs> um, you know, they they love it, and they you know they they'll they're flipping through channels. Most people will stop at it because it's unique, right. it's different, and um, it's high-flying action. So, and it's yeah. really amazing goals too. You know, I think like there's probably the only one of the few sports that where you get so many amazing technical and fine finesse goals. You know, in in one game, it's, it's yeah, unreal. yeah. One one sponsor who was a huge EPL fan, um, he was coming out and checking out uh, uh, training matches that we were doing, and he was like, he watches you know EPL religiously, and right. it's like, you know what? He's like, I see maybe maybe two bike kicks all all season long right like i saw like three dozen in the last two hours and like <laughs> over a dozen of them over a dozen were like fantastic goals right it yeah it, it lends itself to to those that enjoy those aspects of the game and right. you know retention spans well let, let's talk a little bit about what is actually happening in the beach soccer world now though because obviously you know the coronavirus is going on uh, every essentially sport industry is being impacted. And, and I read um, on the Beach Soccer Worldwide, you know, homepage and their news, which is kind of like the leading organization in the Beach Soccer world, uh, they actually decided to move all their events until June. So here we're talking about like El Salvador Cup, Eurowinners Cup, and also the Eurowinners Challenge. What do you think that actually means for the industry and like for Beach Soccer? And and you know how will that impact obviously the locations of where these are being hosted? I know like the the Winners Cup and the Euro Winners Challenge is in Portugal, if I'm not mistaken. So, yes. um, you know, how, what is your viewpoint on this? Um, that they're going to be lucky to be able to have it. Yeah. Um, you know, right now Portugal is they're they're at three thousand cases and and rising like seven hundred a day or something. Right. Um. You know, it, it's it's tough to say. I mean, I, I we've we've already postponed our April event, obviously, yeah. and um, probably wasn't mentioned. But I, I live in San Francisco. Um, we are not really we're what like in our second week of shelter stay shelter at stay or stay in yeah. shelter or I can't <laughs> even get it right. But you're at um, home. That's all that matters. I <laughs> am. Yeah, and I and I started a week earlier before they made it mandatory because you know we were, you know we had a direct flight coming from Wuhan, up until uh, like January twenty third or twenty fourth, yeah. and you know at that point you know it's here, you know we were having we were oh, having sure. daily we were having daily flights here, and um, whereas New York right now is the epicenter. Uh, for the world, more or less, I think they they took over for from uh, Italy uh, with right. I think six thousand five thousand cases yesterday, or what? No, five thousand total cases at this point. Right. Um, but San Francisco here, we're we're still not getting tests, so it's really hard to see how it's going to impact us. But right. uh, we're preparing for the worst. Um, we haven't can, we haven't we haven't canceled our events in June yet. We're going right. to hold off, and yeah. you know, like like yourself. Once you know how how you were with us at one time, we also have 
students from the University of San Francisco that are currently working for us on right. from the Orange Orange campus down in LA as well as here and we have others that are uh, trying to get experience and right. so we're we're going through the motions of of you know doing our social media which has now actually changed a bit uh, yeah. from promoting the our events and sport to being conscientious about um, the times right now. Right. Um, we're trying to think of different ways of uh, being more uh, of a, a go-to place for, you know, feel good moments in, in during this period of time. Um, for the industry in, in general, I, I think that everybody is, is hopeful that we can do things in June. Um, but the Imperial study out of England that, focused on the u.s said that we were going to be at our height mid-june for right. the number of cases so if that uh lends itself to be true then we probably won't be having any events this year right. um, yeah you know I'm, I'm my mindset's on august yeah but you know as the cliche goes history repeats itself and if we you know no matter what anyone says about how great we are in regards to recognizing disease and taking our steps to control it and so on and so forth when right. you've got the, you, when you've got the governor of California saying that 56% of our population in the state which is larger than most countries are going right. to con con contract this um, and if we look at history with the Spanish flu yeah. um, it was much more devastating when it came around the second time after summer than it was in the initial the initial poll right. so Right. So um, it, it's really hard to say. I mean, we have to try and remain opt optimistic, right, but at the sure. same time, we also have to be realistic. Um, from a standpoint as a business owner, I'm a, you know, it's a small business owner. I, I made the move to kind of concentrate on this last year. Um, yeah. It's devastating. Um, you know, our government supposedly passed a $2 trillion stimulus yesterday. Um, but yeah it's our government at this moment in time and how that's going to um, trickle down. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's really, it's really hard to say whether that's going to have any impact on an independent contractor like myself, that's, right. you know, business for himself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're trying to find other means. Um, sure. Everyone's, everyone's losing their jobs here. They're saying un unemployment rate in the U S is going to hit 30%. Right. Um, that's a lot of my colleagues. Um, I picked up a new and got laid off from that last last week. Right. Uh, they laid off 80% of their staff because 90% of their income comes from events. So it's affecting. Right. And now, affecting, you know, all of them are being canceled or postponed or, or what it might be. So, you know, it, it's a very challenging time for sure. And, and I think, as you said, like you have to, you know, have that mixed between being optimistic of course but also being realistic uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about like what initiatives are being done though in, in the beach soccer world and like what are some of the initiatives that you are doing too but uh you know i, I think uh for most of you that are like you know i assume most of you are probably like on all social medias right now because i mean like we're all at home we're, we're just trying to make the best out of the situation but for those of you that don't know it's been happening like like this hashtag stay at home challenge which essentially is toilet paper paper juggles which is also kind of funny considering everyone is is gathering a lot of toilet paper but that's obviously a different topic that we don't have to dive into but i think that's a great initiative that is being done and i also read that the beach trucker worldwide is you know they're doing quizzes you know with their audience they're 
uh, created their own Spotify beach soccer list, you know, which is again, creating, keeping the community, you know, together in the beach soccer world, but also live Q and A sessions with pro players. But Ty, why don't you talk a little bit about like, how's like, they talk about a lot, a lot of the community, right. In the beach soccer world. And I think like, what are the things I got from like reading in the beach, beach soccer worldwide was, was how like well the community is together and how you can like work together. Can you talk a little bit about that and like how do you see them, you know, the community working together here? Well, the thing is, is one of the other aspects, especially once I got involved in the uh, international piece of beach soccer, you know, right. for instance, um, we took our women's team to the World Winners Cup in Turkey uh, this, last, this last October, um, which is why we were able to be ranked so high because we, um, played the best teams in the world and took everybody to overtime and you know it was it was a great experience but um, whether whether you're on the men's side or the women's side it's not it's it's not like grass um, right it's, it's a different it's a different philosophical um, foundation if it's yeah. for lack of a better word um, the the beach soccer community is is so friendly to each other yeah. Um, it doesn't matter whether your name is Lorenc, which is like one of the best players in the world, or if you're some guy coming from some country out of nowhere. Um, everybody like, like a cold country in Norway or something that never done beach soccer. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're out there trying to play and 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 you got and you've got either um, you know a foot in the game or you're a player or what have you, everyone has really high respect for each other. Yeah. Um, they care for each other. They they want to they want to help. Um, you know, obviously, I have thirty. I have over thirty years' experience in the grass game, and I can speak from a lot of experiences. But that's just not the case in in, right. in many in many ways. It's a, a dog eat dog world in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's compartmentalizing. It's um, stealing stealing players from one club or another or what have you, and um, Whereas you have that with the beach soccer community, um, to some degree, um, it's not the norm. Um, right, everybody. Right. So to 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 speak to your point, um, anything that people can do to continue to communicate with their friends around the world through the sport, yeah. or any way that they can show positivity, or um, you know, create situations where we can continue to communicate with each other. Right. Um, they're, they're welcomed by the community and, and they're sought and, and they're, they're enjoyed. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a really, it's a re really unique situation. I think beach soccer worldwide has done a good job in regards to that, especially early on. And, For sure. For sure. and it's, and it speaks wonders to those involved in the sport about, um, just a, a, a a different angle of uh, of philosophy and right. and companionship uh, right. Right. camaraderie that that you can find you know um, everybody is like I said it doesn't matter if you're the best player or the worst player right. you know everyone has a smile everyone has a has a, a funny handshake which obviously we can't do anymore right now but <laughs> um, but it, it's 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 really uh, an honor and a blessing to to be involved in this community. Well, that that's great to hear, and I, I think um, you know essentially what you're talking about there would be a major key, you know, for coming through this you know situation that we're in right now, everyone. And 
you know, more than ever, you know, I, I think we can be extremely glad also having the, the digital aspect, you know, of like the social platforms or channels to, you know, be able to keep staying in touch, keeping involved, doing initiatives where it's, you know, not particularly being outside on the field together, but still, you know, keeping that engagement, the community going. And, and, and it's great to hear that the B-Shocker community, it's, it's so, you know, collaborative and, and, and they're there for each other, essentially. And, um, you know, we're starting to go um, somewhere around the end here. And, and, and let's talk a little bit of like, where do we, where do we go from here? Right. And, and one of the things I, I, I saw, you know, um, again, going back to the B-Shocker worldwide was that, you know, they talk a lot about they will continue to prepare their events, calendars, and match schedules, uh, you know, looking for new options to boost speed chocolate development at different levels, are reviewing the best solutions to support the growth of the sport in every corner of the world. And, and, and that's, a, that's a pretty big statement. You know, of course, it's a small community and it's a challenging time now. Um, but how do you see they can do this, you know, going forward and in the time they're being right now? And, and uh, because obviously, you know, a lot of the events are being, you know, they said older events are being, you know, delayed uh, until like June, probably going to be like the earliest, maybe most likely going to be later as you talk about like situation in the U.S., Europe, like Portugal as well. Um, where do you like, how do you see they can essentially do what they're, what they're stating here? Um, well, I mean, it's also, I can, I can speak to that from my own experience with sure. soccer worldwide. Um, you know, they've been very, um, very open and very supportive of what we're doing. Um, you know, obviously, Juan Cusco, who's the head of beach soccer worldwide, I've known him since now 2006. And all his staff are amazing. Yeah. Um, the ones that I had communicated with previously, but maybe not had met personally, um, I was able to do so in Turkey. And anytime I have a question, um, you know, they're, they're looking to expand. They, they want to expand with and, and grow the sport with people that right. have the right intentions. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of people out there that try and get in that do not. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I went to them with the fact that, you know, we're trying to grow an event in Barbados right now. It's yep. like I mentioned, and they're, they've already basically said that they're a hundred percent behind it. Um, as long as they're allowed to promote it and so on and so forth. And yes. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> um, and, and it, but it, it's a situation where, where they want to make sure that the sport has grown correctly. You know, there's right. been a lot of different events that have come up around the world saying, Hey, there's this, there's that. Um, you know, and, and the participants, um, have like a beach that has cement underneath it, or they have, um, a, a, a tournament where the referees are instructed to make sure a certain outcome comes out, you know, for right. the local teams. I mean, these right. things have been kind of going through the pipeline and you're hearing about this stuff and those right. are the things we're trying to avoid. Yeah. I, I think that they have the capacity, um, to support the sport in a way that yeah. finding people like myself and, and, and others um, that love it and, and want to grow it from a grassroots yeah. level to that international level um, sure. and, and exposing, you know, they, they have the tools to, to um, provide us and, uh, right. and the know-how to, to do so. 
Um, I think it's very important that they continue doing their calendars and they continue planning as though it is going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not only because not only because it gives us something to look forward to, right. Right. even if it gets canceled. Yeah. But if we just end up stopping what we're doing, then right. we're not prepared for when this passes and we're and and we start moving forward. No, I so, I, I think you know wrapping up there uh, um, what I do enjoy as well uh, as you mentioned is that um, they're on the front front foot you know essentially and and wants to do things and I think um, it's smart of them to of course uh, they have a community behind them too which I think you know makes it easier because we all understand like at the end of the day like whether that's like in two months or five months or maybe even a year that they will come back where we're gonna meet you know when we're gonna start doing the events again so we got to be prepared for that moment uh, which also brings us a little bit back to like why we're doing the podcast because at some point you're going to go back to your ordinary job and we want you to be prepared of like what's going in in the industry and come back with your front foot on and and know what's what's been happening in the industry and how can also you you know be stimulated to maybe come up with new ideas new solutions because that's all we're working on yeah. a lot of things will change you know based on this and i think uh, you know, whether you're a small company or a big company, you have to think a little bit different now where you go and how you structure it and plan out. Um, so I, I think like, you know, I, I wish of, of course there were the, the B trucker community, you know, all the best and for you as well, you know, thank moving you. forward. Um, and with that, you know, Ty, I would like to thank you, you know, for, for the time. It's been a, it's been an amazing talk, a lot of fun. I hope you had fun in this conversation too. <laughs> I did, I did, and uh, I got a baby crying in the next room. I'm gonna have to go take care of that's part of a, that's part of the stay at home sort of thing right now. My wife's got a a call right now. I, I hey, you get to see her as she comes out. So I'm Perfect. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna be uh, taking over uh, our our family duties now. So. You do that. So perfect timing. Uh, and with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening. And we always finish with this not kiss, which means I see you later in the region. As you, I think you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Hey, it's All great, right, to, great to see you. We'll talk to you soon, man. Likewise. Talk talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.